Welcome to Honestly Haunted, a new podcast that explores the true stories behind some famous and not so famous haunted places and brings us to these very places to do some exploration of our own. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. I'm Erin Grogan. And I'm Abby Chowning. We're your hosts for the show. This podcast came from Abby and I's mutual obsession with finding podcasts that we love. And we're hoping you'll love this one too. Every other week, we're going to bring you a story about a haunting. We'll give you the truth behind each story, as well as some of the best haunting tales. If we can, we're also planning to actually visit these places and share with you our real experiences, haunted or not haunted. Are you a skeptic, Erin? You know, I'm not sure. I love true stories behind scary ones, and I always try and find out what's real. So in that sense, I would say I am, but I'm not going to lie. I'm also a scaredy cat. And I'm sure I'm going to be spooked even at some of these places that we end up labeling as not haunted. What about you? I'm not a skeptic. I think that there's definitely spiritual human energy all around this world. There's a reason why places like hospitals, theaters, asylums, and places like that have all of these stories, you know? I think massive events and places where the spectrum of human emotions are felt leave behind the energies of the people involved. So we're going to get started with our first story, and this one is local for us. A little too close to home. We're going to tell you the story behind Hell's Gate in Lubbock, Texas. Supposedly, here in Lubbock, Texas, we have a rift in dimensions, a space in which the real world overlaps with and blends into the paranormal world. More specifically, hell. Right. It's hell. Why is it always hell? Exactly. Straight to the point here with these Lubbockites. The real story of this place, though, has a lot less to do with portals to the other realm and a lot more to do with some celebrity history. One of Lubbock's most famous celebrities is, of course, the musician Buddy Holly. And Buddy Holly, if you don't know, was a major rock and roll figure. He was actually born in Lubbock, but he died tragically in a plane crash in 1959. His grave is here in Lubbock, Texas, in the city of Lubbock Cemetery, and it's a place that people from all over actually visit. It's on road trip websites as a place to stop, and the cemetery itself even has signs pointing you in the right direction. Fun fact, his grave actually spells his name differently than we're used to seeing it. Instead of H-O-L-L-Y, it's H-O-L-L-E-Y, because that's his real family name. So the Hellgate's not actually Buddy Holly's grave tourist trap. Quite literally. Right? No, the reason we're discussing this in the first place is because of the grave's proximity to Hell's Gate. So when I first moved here, I actually went to visit the grave. You know, it's like one of those few claims to fame this area has. So I wanted to check it out. 
But this cemetery is actually in a really weird part of town. Yeah, it's not exactly easy to drive to either, and it's not in a great crime area. And even beyond that, the grave itself is tucked away all the way back at the back end of the cemetery. So you have to travel all the way through. It basically forces you to drive all the way through this graveyard, and inevitably you end up driving near the edge by Hell's Gate. So that's interesting because it's right across from a place that, at least during the day, may actually be frequented more often while simultaneously being really secluded on its own. I feel like that context of geography is useful for framing these stories of Hell's Gate because it's such an odd place. And Hell's Gate is meant to be this literal point between worlds. I feel like this is a good time for us to get into some of the best tales of the Hell's Gate. Yes, let's do it. So Hell's Gate is actually an area that's kind of right under a train bridge. Funnily enough, I had some of my engagement photos taken there before I even knew this was a haunted place. They're really beautiful photos, but you know I'm scanning that background for ghosts and orbs now. Of course, so was I. But one story about the bridge is that this place used to be a hot spot for train robbers to stop trains, rob passengers, and occasionally, when needed, fling bodies from the tracks into the stream below. Okay, but if you know anything about Lubbock, you know it's almost constantly in a state of drought. Okay, so maybe not so wet stream, but either way, the fall is definitely not one that can really be survived, or at least it's not really likely to be survived. And that's kind of what feeds into all these rumors of this place. Yeah, so whether or not this actually was a place for train robbers is not something that has exactly been proved one way or another, but either way, all of these stories surrounding this place are negative. Robbers, suicides, accidental deaths. This contributes to the general feeling of unease and restlessness that people report feeling there. Do you remember feeling anything off during your engagement shoot? I do remember that we essentially got up onto the rigging on top, near the top of the bridge, and I actually did have a feeling like I'm not supposed to be here. If you look at all the photos, you can kind of tell that I don't look really comfortable, at least not as comfortable as I do in the other photos from that day. The photographer did a really good job, but I couldn't help looking down at the gulch beneath us, and it's not a very welcoming view. To be fair, I don't really enjoy heights, so it could have been just that, but but this is also one of the few places in Lubbock with trees and foliage, so it's a great option for photos, and that gulch really does look like a promising place for train robbers to dispose of witnesses, though. Abby, all of this kind of reminds me of what you said earlier about energies. For this particular location, none of these stories are really based on fact, but they're based on these rumors associated with energies and feelings. It's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. People hear the stories, so they go with these in mind, and then in turn, they feel these negative things. But at the same time, you went without knowing any of these things and didn't have those notions in mind, but you still felt uneasy. Right, so maybe there is something to be said for these stories after all. Yeah, it's also said that this bridge was potentially used for lynchings, and there are various stories about women committing suicide by jumping from the bridge. Which are all very sad. In fact, there's only one story I've been able to find that's, I guess, somewhat not exactly happy, but not as negative. Not as incredibly depressing. Right. There's this figure that people refer to at Hell's Gate known as the Hunter. Some people refer to him as a malevolent spirit, but... Interestingly, some stories say that if you try to speak to him... Wait, there are people out there trying to speak to a ghost called the Hunter who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> well, the people who report this, they seem to imply that even though it sounds crazy, it was a good idea because these people, they call out to the Hunter, they tell him they mean no harm, and then his spirit goes away. 
Harm to what exactly? So it seems like in this interpretation of the hunter, he's kind of a guardian of the cemetery. And so if you mean no harm to the place people are laid to rest, then you're fine by him. Oh, so he's like the literal gatekeeper. Exactly. Interestingly, this story comes up again and again when looking into Hell's Gate, but there's actually a story about the cemetery itself that aligns pretty well. There's this large winged angel statue that stands above the memorial to a fallen police officer. More specifically, it stands over the memorial to Julio Herrera, who was Lubbock's first Mexican-American police officer, and he was killed in the line of duty. That name sounds really familiar. It likely does. This guy was kind of a big deal. He was killed by a man he was pursuing by being both shot and stabbed right outside of his home in 1947. Herrera is actually honored every year by the Lubbock Police Department still to this day for his heroism. But despite the fact that he's continually honored, his death also came with its own political tensions that stretched even into contemporary times. You see, back in 1947, it didn't matter that Herrera was a fallen police officer. He had to be buried in a colored-only section of the cemetery. Nope, don't like that. Visiting the cemetery today, they don't have any indication that it used to be separated in that fashion. Well, and worse than that, many of the people of color buried there have actually been lost. Um, how does one lose a bunch of dead bodies? Asking for a friend. (laughs) I think I should clarify here that the bodies are actually likely still where they were put to rest. But... Unfortunately, the city did not take adequate care of the graves, and so any markings were lost, and Herrera was one of those lost. So his family had the memorial erected in the early 2000s. So I can see how this memorial in place holds with it a lot of Lubbock's history, as well as a history of racial tensions. But how exactly does it connect to our Hell's Gate? Right. So all of this brings us back to this angel statue. There's this tale that if you enter the cemetery and you see the angel, you need to go and kiss its feet or else a spirit will prevent you from leaving. Wouldn't that mean there would just be a ton of people stuck in the cemetery forever? I don't know if I'd buy that one. Yeah, well, the story I found comes from this woman named Angela, who talked about going with some friends who knew about this tale. So everyone in her group besides Angela kissed the angel's feet. When they got ready to leave and got in their cars, Angela said she saw a man. She described the man as dressed all in black and with no face. He seemed to have almost a blur where his features should have been. He was standing in the road, and she told her friend to stop driving, but she was the only person who saw him. She said he seemed to vaporize away right in front of her, and then he reappeared right at the windshield, seemed to enter the car, and then ultimately vanished entirely. And she was the only person who saw this? Yeah. Can you imagine being in a car with a bunch of friends and being the only person who's freaking out about this? So this faceless man, is he related at all to the Hell's Gate theories? I was thinking about that. Do you think he could be the hunter? It does seem like that goes along with the idea of being both a protective and malevolent spirit all in one. Especially since this one is tied to a literal guardian angel statue. Hmm. So... Abby, are you ready to visit again at night? Oh, absolutely. But I think you're going to be the one to go up on the bridge this time. And here is some of our visit. Spoiler alert, Abby was the one who actually went up on the bridge. Of course I was.
Okay, so I've started recording as we approach Hell's Gate, just in case. We have just driven through Lubbock City Cemetery, and it seemed somewhat unsettling, but I think most cemeteries do. Can't speak for Aaron, but I'd say those of us who've had the privilege in life to not have had to spend much time at cemeteries... (laughs) are often unsettled when we have to visit them, so. Is, but is this yeah, it? This is it. We're here. Okay. We are here. Do you and smell that? Yeah, what is that smell? It smells like, sorry, I got a sulfur smell, which freaked me out. Yeah, no, I smell that too. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there is like a, um. It, yeah, there's also water there's here. Big, yeah, it looks like a, um. It smells like a mix of sulfur and sewage. It's a reservoir, I think, for Lubbock, <laughs> but... I am recording us watching this guy who pulled over to Hell's Gate, and we're trying to figure out if he pulled over to nope. weirdly have a nighttime run at a haunted place. Pretty sure he did, because he's stretching his quads. Or he's dropping a body, but so far, no just, body has been taken out of the car. Just stretching his quads. Just Removing things from his pockets. W- but, like, do you have to open your trunk to stretch your quads? He's getting a deep stretch in there. <laughs> what is happening right now? Why do you choose nighttime at Hell's Gate to run? in Lubbock, Texas to go on a run. I'm going to go up to this bridge in a second. He's going to be running around in the background, freaking me out, making noise. Boy. He's going to run past us and we're going to be like, it's a ghost! <laughs> <laughs> the hunter. The hunter! Actually, oh, I really don't want to mess with that. Yeah, no, I don't either. even want to like, talk about it. It's... Although, should we say like we are here to do no harm? I mean, maybe, but I don't want to... Like... That What is... Do you see these stretches now? Oh, gosh. He's doing like armpit stretches. I didn't even know that was a stretch that existed. Not for running. Okay, so we are walking up to... Making our approach. To Hell's Gates now. Hell's Gate, I don't know, does it have multiple gates? (laughs) I don't know. But the smell is pretty powerful. (laughs) Do you hear that sound, too? Yeah. Like, is that the windmills, or...? I think so, there's like... There's like an industrial building a little south of here. It's, I don't know. So to let you guys know, it is a December evening. It's a little bit chilly, but West Texas fortunately does not get very cold during this time. Everything's pretty dead. No pun intended. (laughs) Um, Great choice of words. You know, (laughs) said it and then kind of regretted it, but... (laughs) So we have like a little bit ways of a walk from where we parked, but we're, we approach the bridge and it's pretty tall. Yeah, actually. So it used to be old train tracks. I think we mentioned that earlier. And as we approach the sound of this industrial place behind it gets louder, which I'm gonna be honest, definitely attributes to the weirdness of the area. Yeah. This is pretty creepy. Yeah. Yeah, I just got goosebumps kind of all over for no reason. Yeah, I I did too. Not necessarily because it's haunted or anything, but this is definitely... Like, when you come across these giant train tracks that are above you by a lot, it feels pretty daunting. Yeah. looks like there's, at the very top, there's barbed wire fence on each side that connects kind of to this, like, we're essentially like in a little gulch along a 
a creek bed. Um, and it looks like there's fences on top to, I think, prevent either people from climbing up there and walking along the old train tracks. But the tracks itself, like, it's all pretty intact. It's interesting to me that they put those gates up instead of just tearing down the train tracks. Like, yeah. it's... It's clearly not in use anymore. So it's interesting that everything is still so intact. Yeah. Smell, though. Yeah, the smell has gotten stronger. And I'm going to guess it's this creek, but it does not smell good. Looks a little stagnant. I'm kind of scared to walk through it. (laughs) Yeah, okay. We are currently walking through the opening under the trestle. So I guess we are currently walking through the gate. It smells. It smells really bad. I mean, it weirdly has some beauty to it. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it looked nice in your engagement photos, but there's a lot of graffiti. It's definitely old. The smell is really overwhelming. There's garbage around. Yeah, the graffiti and trash, like probably local kids hang out here yeah but with all of the trees even though they don't really have leaves on them right now it is still kind of nice to see all the nature even though it smells really bad we cannot emphasize that yeah we cannot emphasize that enough i do feel like (laughs) and again i don't know if it's the smell or not but like i have this like desire to not want to take a deep breath yeah i feel very (laughs) i do think it is probably from the smell (laughs) but i mean other than that i have to say i don't feel as freaked out as i thought i would Again, the first time I was here and I didn't know the history of the place, I would say I felt kind of uncomfortable, but mostly just because of the fact I was sitting and standing on old wood kind of high up and I don't like heights. Um, But now I'm not necessarily getting like I felt uneasy walking up. But now that we've walked under through and around, I'm not feeling. Which is funny because you talked about how you felt kind of uneasy before you knew anything about this place here i kind of want to walk up there a little bit i know we literally just talked about how there's a gate blocking people off but there's a little pathway and it's before the gate i'm probably not going to make it up very far but i'm going to see it gets really steep toward the top, so it's hard to even get up there. I'd be scared we couldn't get down. Yeah. <laughs> but as we get up here, this barbed wire fence looks even more menacing. And you see it here? You see the fire? Yeah, what is that? That industrial plant. I don't know what it's doing, though. So from up here, we can actually see the industrial plant, and it has some kind of really large bonfire happening, which is kind of creepy. Yeah, I really want to see if there's any signage up there, though. Do you want to try and go all the way up? I wore my hiking boots. Oh, wow. The view is actually pretty striking. So I took a picture of the old tracks that are kind of like, uh, like have been removed and like put over to the side. That's really interesting. (laughs) So what was it like up there? So it's like, 
you can see the evidence of the tracks that they've like dismantled and pulled apart. Did you get any kind of feelings or anything? No. No? Just, this is probably like one of the highest points in Lubbock. <laughs> we really didn't have too much happen during our visit. Yeah, neither of us felt scared, and we didn't really see anything truly unsettling. So, Erin, are you ready to give our verdict? Absolutely. Honestly, Honestly not, not haunted. haunted. However, even though we've ruled this place as not haunted, Abby shared a story that gives us a little pause, and I think she should share it here with all of us as well. We actually have a recording of her telling me what happened to her husband that night that we visited. Yeah. Okay, so Sunday morning after the Saturday we, we went, after we went to Hell's Gate, um, Luke and I were driving to lunch, and he was really kind of out of it. Luke wasn't there that night. He didn't come with us. Um but he, I could just tell he was really out of it. wasn't very talkative. And I was like, what's going on? He's like, I had to, he's like, I know this is going to be like kind of crazy and I don't really know what to think of it. And I, I just like have to say it and you can think whatever you want. But last night in the middle of the night, I woke up and I saw a man on fire standing in our doorway. Oh my God. I saw a man on fire. I couldn't really see his face, but he was fully inflamed and I remember sitting up and saying, are you a demon? And he said, yes. And I just then, got chills. I know. <laughs> and <laughs> I said it and like almost started cure. He said it to me and I almost started crying. And, and then Luke just said, like, he said, I invoke the name of Jesus Christ and I ask you to get out of my house. And he blinked. And when he like opened his eyes again, he was still laying down <gasps> and it was gone. Oh my God. Yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah. And he like looked around. I was still sound asleep. The dogs were asleep. They hadn't like felt anything. So he's like, I don't know if I dreamt it, but he's like, I felt like it was real. And I said, you know, I prayed a few more times and I kind of sat up for a little bit and Missy kind of woke up and she kind of, or one of our dogs woke up and like walked straight to the doorway and kind of sat for a second and then proceeded out of the doorway to go sit by the back door so she could go outside. But that's all that happened. Oh my gosh. And nothing had happened since, but since he told me, like, the next night I slept really unsettled, and so I prayed a lot that night, too. But, yeah, so I don't, again, I don't know what it was, but Luke wasn't even with us that night. He didn't go to the Hell's Gate, right. and so I don't know why. He was the one with the nightmare after. Yeah, so that was unsettling. And so I don't, again, I don't know if it has anything to do with what we did, but it did kind of, it was, it was a little, it was really unsettling. So, That's very unsettling. But I, yeah, I hadn't told you guys yet. Because I, like... And then we didn't end up talking that Sunday. Right. And so I was just like, okay, I don't know what to do with all this information. And Luke didn't know it, know it either. Like, he didn't... It wouldn't have made sense that something would have followed me home, but I wouldn't right. have been affected by it. Only he would. Yeah. And so, yeah. So I don't know what to do with any of that. But it really messed with him. And he told me, and I, like, was on the verge of tears. Like, I was so freaked out about it. Oh so yeah, gosh. so that happened. <laughs> and Luke's not the kind of person to make up something like that. Like, I feel like if he had had, because he's never really had night terrors or anything, but I feel like that was memorable enough for him to be like, that was really real. 
Yeah, I don't even know what to do with that. Yeah, so... Because why would it affect him? I know, unless it was just unrelated and yeah. it happened, but I can't believe that things like that are unrelated. Does that change our verdict at I all? I don't know. Because it, it didn't affect us. Yeah, so I, again, I don't know what to do with it. I am really just kind of like, and nothing's happened since. Um... <laughs> Knock on wood. <laughs> but the fact, yeah, it was that it was just not just like a man, but it was a man on fire. And I don't know what the hunter is supposed to look like. Yeah, nothing actually said anything about the hunter. Yeah, what he looks like. And Luke hadn't read any of the lore. He didn't know anything. And so I don't know. For a second, I thought you were going to say a man with no face, though. And I was like, oh, but my God, it's because we didn't kiss the angel's feet. That's what I almost thought first. I was thinking that at first. And then he said on fire. And I was like, oh, that changes That's something. a whole different level. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know. After that, I still wasn't sure, but I don't know. It might, it might change my opinion a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) I think it goes back to like this whole feeling of like not wanting to like interact. Like as we go to these places, like I don't want to call anything out. Like I don't want to say. Invoke things or. things to come out. I don't want to do seances or be engaged in anything. I really just want to be like an observer. Yeah. And, and so part of me wonders if we should have said we mean no harm. Right. If there's something that you're supposed to do to, to remove. Because we said, should we say something and and we we didn't. Yeah. So perhaps we have an amendment to the tone of our verdict. Honestly, Honestly not haunted? Thanks so much to everyone who has given our first episode a listen. We're new to podcasts and we're still learning, so we would love your feedback. And if you liked our podcast, please give us a like and a subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. We also have a Facebook page where we can continue our discussions and we would love to hear from you. I've actually uploaded a few of my engagement pictures from Hell's Gate. Wow, I didn't think I'd ever be saying that, but let me know if you can see my discomfort. In two weeks, we'll be back with a new location. Keep listening for a sneak peek. This week, we are bringing you the story of Childress, Texas. In 1988, and then again in 1991, two deaths. One ruled a suicide, the other an accident. Rocked the town in tragedy. However, things in this small town are not exactly as they seem. A blend of mismatched witness reports, faulty coroner's findings, alleged misconduct, mysterious funeral guests, and escalating rumors led up to this town becoming a central focus of the early 90s satanic panic wave. 